Hey there, Annie and Julie here. We just wanted to pop in real quick before we dive into this episode and announce our new show name. We're excited to announce that we're rebranding the Investing for Good podcast as the Life and Money Show. Now, this new name reflects the broad focus of our episodes and guests thus far and allows us to tell even more stories about living a meaningful and intentional life by design while also making an impact. We're extremely grateful for your support and listenership as we've grown this podcast and are excited to begin this new chapter so we can bring you even more valuable stories and insights. With that, let's dive into the episode. And it holds them accountable. So we try to make everything affordable to everyday people. So they don't have that excuse like, oh, I can't afford that. You, you can afford anything. You just have to make it that priority. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Monica, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. We are so excited to chat with you. Now, Monica, I think it's funny because typically when people think of real estate investors, right, the stereotype they think of is most likely a man in a suit, always on the phone, you know, flying around in Mm -hmm. private jets, all that good stuff, which is why we're so excited to have you on the show. Because since the beginning, Julie and I have been on this mission to help people see that it's not just men, it's not just rich people, anyone can invest in real estate, including busy moms like yourself, retirees, busy professionals, and on and on. And I know that's something you're passionate about as well as a mother of four, a real estate investor and a syndicator. So take us back to when you first got into real estate. How many kids did you have at that point, if any? And what drew you to real estate in the first place? Well, our first, when we started investing in real estate, I think we had two kids and or maybe we had three or two or one on the way. But our actual journey started even before we had any kids when my husband and I were actually living in Australia. And we ended up looking and putting money down a lot for sale that we had $500 deposit. And it was this lot, we knew nothing about real estate, we didn't know anything about anything. It was supposed to be a blue chip estate area. So I knew that I knew that was good. And I thought we were going to build this beautiful house, we were 24 years old, and we were just starting out. And we thought, let's let's design this house. So we designed this house of our dreams. And I was so excited. We went to the bank, we're approved for a mortgage, we met with a builder, we're designing all this custom stuff like theater room and all this crazy stuff. I think this house was better than the house I've ever lived in. Um, Then when we flew home and saw my parents, they told us you guys are crazy. If you're going to go and do this, you guys shouldn't do this at all. This is a horrible, horrible idea. Whatever you do, do not do this. You're going to sink. I remember my mother's words were, you're going to sink. So I got so frightened. We came back and we went to the developer and we said, we want our $500 back. And we were so worried about this $500. And he tried to talk us out of it. And we got our $500. We were feeling really great. Phew, we missed that one. Fast forward to three years later, we're still in Australia. I'm finishing my master's degree. I have our first, we're married. I have my first baby on my knee. And this is when 
I think we might even still have dial up internet here, but <laughs> the internet was just coming out. And I thought, I wonder what would happen with that house. It was $230,000 was the first investment. I Googled Glen Iris Estates and Jandicott, and there it was at $1.7 million. What? No. <laughs> this raw piece of land transformed into the most coveted Gulf state property. And <sighs> I almost dropped the baby. I cried. <laughs> and I was not happy with my parents at all about that. So we actually have that in a chapter in our book, Real Estate Mistakes, it's in chapter one called The One That Got Away. Mm. And mm-hmm. so that's what I, it was really like a missed opportunity that really, really, really hurt. And it really stuck with me for a while. And we only had one kid then. So none when we started and then one when that one that got away. But when we were back and we started having multiple children and I wasn't working at the time because with that one, when I was finishing that same teaching practicum, I realized I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And we moved back home and we bought our first property and my husband was working and making great money. And I was out here with number two and I'm still wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, but then I had a mortgage payment. Now we have two kids, we have extracurriculars. And we really realized when you live in an expensive area, how hard it is to get by on one salary. So I took all the finances and put them to the forefront and I was determined to make this work. I didn't want to go to work full time because I created a life of freedom and I wanted my family to be the forefront of my life and I could work around my family. So I've always have been very entrepreneurial. I always have worked part time, not because I had to, but because I wanted to. That's why I like this podcast. You know, it's about the good things like the the freedom and the creating your life. Mm-hmm. And so I really kind of wanted to work around all that sort of stuff. But when I started investigating traditional financial planning, it really hit me right in the face that this is not working. Like our projected returns for retirement is $40,000. And when 2008 happened, that went away really fast. And then we had nothing. And then I realized the only way that we're going to be able to afford to retire or help our kids with their college education is if I go to work full time. So all of a sudden, I'm the financial plan here. So I'm like the secret six figure weapon behind the scenes. Yeah, we're time 65. And then maybe we could afford to retire. And I'm thinking, why does it take two six figure salaries to get by? And then I think the average American family is combined income of under $70,000. What the Mm -hmm. heck is everyone else doing? Like, and why is this acceptable? This wasn't like a need to be in a lavish jet, like you're talking about at first or doing anything (laughs) extravagant. I just wanted to retire and I just wanted to help my kids out. So at that point, you know, we kind of really figured out we had to do something different. And and that's when we read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and learned real estate is definitely the number one wealth builder. And our first goal was to buy one property for each one of our children. And that was to help them pay for their college education because there's over $3 trillion and student debt in the US. It's absolutely insane for young people to have to start off their life with that debt, Mm -hmm. especially since the average salary is under Mm $50,000. So it's like you're automatically starting off with a disadvantage. So that's what really kind of inspired us to get going. And that was sort of our first 
we started off, I think it was the three. And then we had our daughter by the time we've had her because we have four children. We were pretty hot and heavy with our real estate business at that time. And we weren't just investors buying properties just for our children and focusing on other careers. At that point, real estate really was our primary business. Oh man. So you had this experience really early on, probably something like inside you, like instinctually, you knew like this lot, you know, you had big dreams for it and you were like, oh, maybe, you know, you're 24. You're like, let's put in for it. But then it sounds like maybe your parents or you didn't grow up around real estate, maybe. And your parents maybe didn't have that sense for real estate investing. So they saw their daughter get into this deal that they didn't know anything about. And all they saw was the risk factors behind it. And they said, no, no, you're 24. <laughs> Don't get into that. Like you've got so much ahead of you. Probably just like, you know, you're thinking about your kid's debt and they probably saw that and saw it as debt and not as an opportunity. But here years later, you know, you've discovered that real estate investing is this huge wealth builder. And so you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you have three or four kids at this point. So you're starting to invest in one property of piece at least for your kids, right? And so are these, and where were you based at this point? Or were you in Toronto where you are now? We were, yes. And we were not investing in Toronto. We were investing. Our first investment was Mm -hmm. a ski condominium in the Blue Mountains area. And then we started going to, we did a huge mistake. The first mistake in real estate mistakes is we started chasing cash flow. So we were off to something really good. Actually, we, we located this town that actually my mother was from there. It's nine hours north of Toronto. And I actually you created can go our, nine hours north of Toronto. What's out there? North <laughs> of Toronto. I know it's like near the North Pole pretty much <laughs> in this small town called Timmins, Ontario. And I started picking up homes for $40,000 and renting them out for $1,000 a month. What? And yes, so I was cash flow positive of his cash in pocket about 450 or $408 a property. And I just started picking these up like hotcakes because this was like $8,000 down payment. It was incredible. <laughs> like here in, in Toronto, you can't get that. And so I started picking these up and it was serving me really, really well. And then I took the same model and I turned it into a person door model and started buying apartment building. Mm. So I started buying like the whole city really. And it's kind of funny because I'm like, I was like the mayor of Timmins for a while because we were not only buying up this whole small Northern Ontario town, we were bringing a lot of other people into this market too and showing them what's possible in the city. And that's really kind of how we got started. But with the US, it's really exciting because these kinds of properties in certain cities, I mean, you can get properties in this price point for under $100,000. And the value of homes, even when they're beautiful homes, I'm still looking at some of these US properties that are still for such a low price. I'm like, I would live in this house. This is beautiful. This wasn't the little because the rental homes I was buying were not that pretty. Like, let's not jazz it up. I mean, we would renovate them and make them really nice on the inside, but they were really your basic thousand square foot bungalow homes in this town. So at this point, were you burying these properties, the buy, rehab, re- help me Rent, out here. renovate, refine, rent, sorry, buy, yes. <laughs> buy, rehab, renovate, no rent, renovate, 
repeats. Something like There's that. a refinance in there, something <laughs> like that. Anyway, so were you, had you stumbled across that model or were you buying and renovating and renting it out and keeping your equity in the deal? I had no clue what I was doing. The first home we bought there was a pre-foreclosed home. I got it for $40,000. I actually managed to somehow from a distance renovate this entire house. This was new roof, new kitchen, new bathroom, new everything for $10,000. I don't even know how we did that at this point because now like the costs are so much more, but then we made a cute little house and that, but I didn't know what I was doing. Like I wasn't doing it properly. I was using my money or lines of credit to do it. I didn't know anything about the proper mortgages, how to use financing. I didn't know about HELOCs. I didn't know to refinance at that point. I just went in there and the same with the ski chalet. We bought it right. It was a condo though. I didn't know that condo payments are going to be more than my mortgage payments, but I totally renovated that that place too. I'm like really great. And I think a lot of people do this. They're like, well, I, I have a good eye. Like I know it looks good. I can <laughs> renovate. And, but I didn't know how to do the financing component properly. I didn't know anything about return on investment. I didn't know anything about, you know, creating infinite return. I didn't know how to continue to perpetuate the funds that I received from the line of credit on our personal residence. I knew nothing about that. I had no one guiding me. I certainly wasn't telling my parents. <laughs> <laughs> they knew nothing about this for three years. Oh my gosh, that's wild. So, I know you said earlier that you're another mistake that you made. Did I hear you say that right? Was that you started chasing these cash flowing rentals? Did I hear you right? So what was the mistake? Because I don't, so far in the story, I don't hear anything that sounds like a mistake. It sounds great to me. So what happened? I'm curious. Well, it was a lot of the huge learning curve. I'll, I'll tell you that. So I really loved this city and I was very successful in this city for some time and I wouldn't invest anywhere else after I found it. But it was because of the cash flow, but I thought it had great economic fundamentals because in Ontario, the government was actually putting a lot of money into the mining industry and all roads were leading north. So they're opening a lot of mines, there's high paid workers, and um, it did have that transport there. And they were going to improve the roads and, and increase that, increase the rail line. So at this point, although I was originally attracted to the lower price, I did see this as the hub of the north, and I thought it was really poised for growth. But when our government changed, everything changed. So the conservatives were out, the liberals were in. So I guess this would be equivalent to the Republicans are out and the Democrats are in. And <laughs> they just cut all of that. They shut down a bunch of mines, they cut all the growth, and it was no longer a focus. All of a sudden, this thriving city where I'm renting this out for a 1000 people has no one living there. I'm like, where the heck did everyone go? Or you're stuck or they had no job. And I realized, wow, I did not do this properly. Now I'm stuck dealing with people who and competing to get my units rented over other people. Mm -hmm. And it really actually my out of town property management, my team that I created there that was so amazing, when we're doing hundreds of transactions, and I'm bringing them tons of people, and we're best buds. Well, when they started feeling a bit gaffed, because they were hurting, well, then they turned bad. And then I had property management problems, And because no one was buying there anymore. So I guess I didn't have a really good purpose. I was just the property management client. But as there was nowhere to rent, the problem started rolling in. And I was under the impression it was because of the bad economy. But in reality, it was my team kind of went a bit off board as well. And my property was being run into the ground. 
And so that was a big mistake as well. After we kind of are, and we still have a lot of real estate in this market. And we have, we were able to do a lot of refinance after we got some education and we figured out how things were working. That first property I bought, I've actually refinanced it twice, been operating an infinite return for 10 years now. So that's always really exciting. And we still do have stuff there, but now we just had to rebuild. And when I tell other people, because we do mostly consulting now, I advise them don't ever chase the cash flow, the low priced homes look for things with strong economic fundamentals and beware of things like this. Like you guys, you know what it's like to have a new employer come to town in the city of Timmins and then to read that it's going to employ six people help you. You want to be investing in areas that have new employers that are coming in that are going to employ 2000 people and they have plans to expand. You want like Amazon and Google and all these places coming in. So any resource-based industry or a government dependent economy, I'm really, really reluctant. And I always tell people, you know, don't let me make the mistakes. Let me help you. So whenever we're looking with our members of what areas to invest in, we really only have these high growth specific key areas that we focus on. That's such a good point. Like, I think that's such an important thing for everyone to remember that your property management team is such a key player and a key partner in getting, you know, making your real estate investments successful and making sure that you stay on top of them and making sure that you're watching everything. These are the keepers of your treasure chest, so to speak, right? And so if you're not on top of them and making sure that things are going to go right, things like that could happen. So I'm curious, did you find new property management or what happened? How did you fix the issue? Well, miss, I'm too good to do property management because I have the best team (laughs) in the world. (laughs) Had to slowly figure this out. I figured out that we had a problem when I was told that we had roaches in one of our buildings. Mm -hmm. And I know from experience to get a roach in your building, because this is in New York City, Mm -hmm. it's pretty cold. Your building (laughs) is not being managed properly. There's roaches and there's roaches. There's some places that have roaches. It's just part of it. Timmins, Ontario is not. We are almost North Pole here. Like it didn't make sense. So Mm -hmm. I knew that things were kind of going downhill and I had to start looking into things and not trusting the team so much. And pretty much it took, I had 25 properties fall right back into my lap in one summer and I had to become this property manager. We had to rebuild a new team. My husband had to go up there and manage the team and get everything repaired. And at that point, we kind of reinvented the entire building. We took this building that they were literally running into the ground and Mm -hmm. revived it revitalized it. And I learned everything about property management. Now on our Real Property Investments member site, we have property management tools for people. We believe that, yes, you should use property managers and we have property managers, but you also have the tools to do it yourself. So we have the tenant and landlord rules down for every single area across Canada, across the US. So people could pull from these areas and be familiar. It wasn't that difficult. I did kind of feel like a lawyer for a (laughs) summer as I had to familiarize myself, but I was so dependent on my property management team. I think everyone, you really need to be familiar with the codes, with the laws, what states Mm -hmm. favor tenants. You might want to not invest in those states. You might want to invest in states that the laws are a little more equal between the the tenant and the landlord. Ontario 
Ontario is absolutely horrible and favors tenants all the time. So it was really that was kind of a real rude awakening. And slowly we rebuild this team. But to this day, I'll tell you, and I apologize for any of my units, and I always encourage people to use the professionals to do the tenant placement and Mm -hmm. perhaps the walkthroughs every quarter, but always collect your own rent because Mm -hmm. that's where we were at was that we were, we had lots of units with this company and they were just taking the money and paying themselves first. And we weren't seeing anything but the 15th. And I never thought anything of it until my father says, you get your money 15 days after and they're taking and doing whatever they want with it. In the meantime, what kind of businesswoman are you? And I felt like that's the way it's done in real estate after like so many years doing this kind of felt like what kind of businesswoman am I like, what am I doing here? That is the most (laughs) ludicrous thing. So Mm -hmm. I do kind of feel like a lot of the times when I do work with the property managers, I will use them for certain things, but I do absolutely insist on it is me collecting the rent and they get paid after they have done their job. It's not that hard to collect rent. It's a very busy first of the month. I never go anywhere. I just sit there and have to e-transfers all day. But, and then the property managers get paid. That's interesting. Is that something that you negotiated with them that they were open to doing? I don't know if I called my PM company and asked them to let me collect the rents if they'd be like, oh, sure, we'll let you handle that piece of it. Was it, what does that conversation look like? It could be a really difficult conversation and it stopped me from hiring a lot of working with a lot of property managers because they will not do that because there's a lot of landlords that don't pay their property managers too. Yeah. Just like, it's kind of like the contractor investor thing. You know, everyone's like, oh, Mm -hmm. contractors walk off the job a lot of people don't pay contractors also Mm -hmm. right so it affected it made me actually build out my own property management teams and it also made me really create a package for people and i give all this to our members as well it's all on our member site like guys you know what use a real estate agent to advertise for tenants you pay them the first month pay them placement fee or use a property management company but we also found an amazing service that does these walkthroughs for us and they're ex-police officers and they see things that we would never see so every quarter mm-hmm. we can get these proper inspections if we have pictures and reports that are able to hold and this proper screening is done. And so all we really need at that point, as long as you have some boots on the ground, you could really manage it yourself. And we really kind of put together over that summer, actually created like a 50 page package for people, property walkthrough inspections, the documents, addendums. I mean, the lease agreements, if you're using a lease agreement, really study your lease agreement. We have a lot of paralegals on our team as well. We created an addendum to really kind of protect you. The Ontario residential lease agreement has been described as a naked body without any clothes. So the addendum really has to put the clothes on the body. So it protects you as the investor. So it's just, I think that a lot of people in real estate investing, you don't need to have the full property management. But we always also, the property managers we work with, we tell them to be sensitive towards that as well. And it quite often, it can be an option when once they hear sort of where you're coming from, the intents not to pay them, it's knowing what our experience was. I, a lot of what I hear you saying is about like not taking everything at face value, but really thinking outside the box and really thinking about what you need, what your tenants need and how to create the best experiences fair for everyone. And I, I love that thinking about working with retired police officers because they have an eye that they're looking for specific things. So if you get them on your team and then you build out your property management team, 
team and in a way that the the addendums, the contracts are worded so that it helps and protects you and it protects them. And you're taking on that rent collection so that you make sure that you are the business owner and that the money comes through you first. I think all of that is so smart. I wanted to ask, you mentioned that at the time when your property management company was driving those properties into the ground, when your husband had to go up there and really work on the properties to revive them. That's so much a part of what Julia and I are about, the whole investing for good concept and revitalizing these communities. So tell us a little bit more about that and what you guys did. Well, I think that the good deed or the investing for good comes with that often landlords, there's a misconception that we're these millionaires that hang around and whatever, and we don't care about our tenants and we don't whatever. So I've always, always look at as a tenant landlord situation as a professional relationship where it's my job to provide individuals with clean, suitable housing and a great environment. Because that's my product. My business is the house. And that's how the exchange kind of goes. And if people are living there, then in return, they obviously, they treat the properly respectfully and they pay the rent. And so that's kind of, I look at it almost as like real estate investing as a social investment. And I, I think it's really sad when landlords do not do their part and keep these units up for rent. And I also think it's sad when tenants do not do their part and they don't pay their landlords it's really difficult for landlords when they don't have their rent. We are not all a bunch of millionaires. Most of us are everyday people. And if that money has to come out of our own pockets, that's coming out of our kids' ballet lesson, or that's coming out of our grocery. Like we have our own families to feed. And so I think that's really important to stop taking this conception of this uncaring kind of landlord, as well as these scrupulous tenants, and really kind of just everyone takes the effort to do your due diligence properly. And there's a lot of good people out there. So let's just mm-hmm. match good tenants with good landlords. Mm-hmm. And in that way, we are solving a problem. We are providing housing for individuals. That's what I love about real estate. It's like a team effort, right? We're all, it's like partnerships, whether you're the resident, whether you're the landlord, you're the property management group, we're all part of a bigger team that kind of makes all of these things work and makes that impact and does it for good. So I love that. Tell us about your portfolio now. So we've heard a little bit about your story along the way. So what are you investing in and where are you investing in these days? Well, I invest a lot, but I've evolved from the real estate investor. What I'm mainly investing in right now is the real property investments community because we are growing this global business and all this like stuff that I'm telling you about these like lease agreements and all these different sort of stuff that we've created, these addendums and whatever. Our entire business comes from my husband and my experience. We have done hundreds of real estate transactions of every specific kind of strategy. And that was a huge downfall and also related in the book, Real Estate Mistakes. We were flipping, we were rent to owning, we were doing apartment building things. We're doing all sorts of things. And it wasn't until we got a good coach. She said, stop, kind of reset. And then we rebuilt in these higher growth areas with primarily, I still do have a lot of everything everywhere, but primarily more the buy rent hold model is what we're doing. So when I'm doing, I'm kind of at a spot now where we have achieved in real estate, we have 
been able to fund the university for all four of our kids, which was really exciting. You know, we no longer have the $40,000 retirement. We're able to have a very nice retirement, which we help other people (laughs) create that as well. And my husband was also able to leave his six-figure job, which was really exciting. On his 40th birthday, it took us five years to get there, but with some strategic planning on his 40th birthday, he marched in the office and he quit. And now he runs the business with us as well. So those are kind of the things that we're working on now. We're both home. We have both raising our four kids are all before COVID, we were on the road all the time. We have two high level basketball players and our daughters in dance and gymnastics, our son's doing everything under the sun. So we were mainly focusing on our kids, our family and helping other people build well. And with real estate, it is so easy for us now. And I don't really need to do anything. I invest mainly passively in opportunities like yours that you offer because I want my main focus to be on our building. But with the active component, it's kind of super easy once you really know what you're doing because we know all the steps. So I flip at least four homes a year, but it's like clockwork, you know, and I don't have to do it. So it's not the stress. And I acquire, I do put in a lot of offers, not that we have to, but that you can. So when a good deal comes along, why wouldn't you invest in it? Mostly are with joint venture partners at this point. I do a lot of acquisitions for large funds like yourself. So you were looking for apartment syndications. We do a lot of larger commercial finds as well. So the passive investing, I absolutely love because that's how I get my money working when I'm sleeping. But I genuinely love real estate so, so much. I truly believe in it. When a good opportunity comes in a buy, run, hold area and there's strong economic fundamentals, I will pick up a good buy, run, hold any day. Why not? With the systems you have in place, that's the true wealth builder. And the larger projects like yourself, that has to be your focus. And I don't have the time to do that. I don't own and operate a fund and I raise capital for other funds, but I don't own and operate a fund. So mainly all we really do is find out the very best investment opportunities. So when people come to us and we show them how they could build wealth, then there's actual solutions and products they can invest in. So if I had someone come and say, you know, I have this $50,000 in my IRA and I'm just really not happy with the way it's growing, have you ever considered self-directing? Mm-hmm. Have you ever considered investing in a syndication opportunity? Meet these like, they'll mm-hmm. tell you, they'll show you, walk some of these projects. Like people need to get out there and they need to kind of get going and figure out what works for them. Mm-hmm. So what they're investing in matches where they want to go. When I was mm-hmm. investing in Northern Ontario and it was all turnkey tickety-boo, that was fantastic. Because I wasn't there and I had a great team in place who loved me probably because I was making them millionaires. (laughs) But when that left and then I realized, wow, what it truly feels like to be alone and that distance is there and it's just us picking up the pieces and rebuilding and then seeing how that appreciation was no longer a factor. That's when we really kind of realized no. But I'm really grateful for all the mistakes and I'm really grateful Mm -hmm. for all the horrible things that happened because I don't want them to happen to anyone else. So I feel like I kind of just taking it for the team. <laughs> Read the book, Real Estate Mistakes. Hindsight is twenty twenty. we have at the end of everything. And it's just these silly little mistakes that beginner real estate investors make and that you don't have to. 
Absolutely. Know what you don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. The only and way I, to invest I, in real estate and learn is really to do it. Learning through doing. There's seasons and stages of life. And depending on where you are and what your goals are, your interests and your passions and what may be right for you in real estate investing could change. So we've always, from the very beginning, Julie and I knew that, you know, passive investing, it's this special thing that fits so well for busy families, right? Because mm-hmm. the last thing that a busy mom asks after soccer practice, after basketball, after ballet wants to do is have to deal with property management or have to do look at insurance paperwork or tenants or anything <laughs> like that. So passive investing is such a good fit for families. And so I love that you mentioned that. And I'm curious, how old are your kids now? Your four kids? I have eight, okay. 10, 14. He'll be 15 next month and 16. And what have you been teaching them about real estate investing or how much do they know about the business? So they know a lot about investments and wealth. They know a lot about mindset and growth. It is such an honor and a privilege to be their parent. It's so interesting just to to parent them because I don't want to do what my parents did to me. And my parents were entrepreneurs too. So this is the crazy thing is my parents were very, they took so many risks and I guess they didn't want that. I don't or they've all, they're Eastern European. What do you want? We're all a bunch of new <laughs> But I don't want my kids. I want my kids to, and I spend a lot of my time in schools teaching kids about money, teaching them about wealth building, also teaching adults about money and wealth building. Anyone who'll listen, I'll teach you about money <laughs> and wealth building. Like that's what I love to do. That's my passion. Because my kids now, through I guess through osmosis, although you should not include your kids as part of your real estate business, and I always say this, no matter what any parenting book says, taking your kids to construction sites does not constitute as parenting, okay? They want to be in the park and they want you pushing them on the swing and they want you to look at them. And don't ever look at your phone if they're ever doing anything. I swear I took my son to tennis the other day. I looked for one second and you're always on your phone. So all they want (laughs) is your attention. Mm -hmm. And, but it's, they watch and they learn other things. They learn the ways that you respond to money. They learn the ways that you make money. Our our oldest son has a basketball shoe company that he started all on his own. He's into year three during COVID. He was making thousands of dollars a week and I don't even help him with that. But he learned now that he wants to get his money working for him. He wants to be his own boss. And even my 14-year-old, when they ask, what do you want to do when you grow up? They see the freedom that we have in our lives, our whole lives. No one has this freedom. I mean, I play tennis three to five times a week. I work out every day. We have our dog that we're actually home with. My husband's here. He sits on, I sit on one side of the office. He's there on the other side. (laughs) We're together all the time. He's there to drive our kids, pick them up. We don't, like before COVID, I was a professional basketball cheerer. (laughs) I was at every single basketball game for, and there's, they played on multiple teams. And if I had a job, I wouldn't be able to, and didn't have these investments. I wouldn't be able to do all that. Yep. And if I wasn't an entrepreneur, I wouldn't be able to do all that. And my kids watch this. I'm like, do you understand that most people don't see their kids until seven o'clock at night? They don't really like, I can't see them settling for a life that doesn't revolve around freedom because they've seen the benefit of freedom in their life because their friends' parents are not at every single game. Mm Except one time I did go to the school to talk about wealth building there. And I did explain that each one of my kids have homes. And then I overheard when they were leaving the room, one kid said, wow, Andreas, I didn't know you had a house. He goes, yeah, I have lots of them, but they're really bad. (laughs) 
they think we're actually going to move into the homes. Oh, <laughs> like, so funny. We're not moving. So it's that pretty funny. So, funny. so yeah, I guess they learn a lot, but I try to really focus the time on them parenting with them. I think one big mistake I made when I started out was I ignored them. I did it for them. And the first three years was them crawling at my feet and me like, Oh, you're a lot more interesting than a real estate. Like a real estate's more interesting than watching a sleeping baby. And even when we had our daughter, I remember I waved an epidural so I could stand by the fax machine just to get the best real estate deal. So if you can't give childbirth <laughs> and concentrate on that, I think you got to need to refine your focus. So I made a lot of mistakes with them too. I really made a lot of mistakes. And it wasn't until I got a really great coach who really pulled my head out of the sand and said, look, you're being a fraud. You're saying you're doing this for your kids. And he used to be a very successful DJ and at a music company. And he used to be at his DJ booth and say, peekaboo, peekaboo. And that that's not quality time with your kids. So once again, like you got to kind of get in there, draw the line in the sand, make a choice. If you're going to be going and doing this freedom in your life, make sure, you know, even your new love and endeavors like real estate investing doesn't take over everything for what you're doing this for in the first place. Mm, such a good point. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important reminder for everyone, including Annie and I, because mm -hmm. we get very busy with what we do at Good Egg, not because we feel like we have to, but because we love what we do. We love being able to make an impact. But at the same time, we do have our families and, and ourselves to look after. And so that's such a great reminder, but there is no price like having that freedom and having that time with your spouse every day. I recently, because of COVID, have the same now too. And having my husband home with me all day, I'm working, he's doing his thing. And just to pop in and we sit down, we have lunch together. Like today, we had a day date together. Like who gets to do that kind of stuff just doesn't happen for most people. And to have that kind of time together every day too, right? We don't have to wait for like the night at grandma and grandpa's right? To be able to have that time together and so valuable and so impactful. And I think like you said, how kids see that and yeah. how they grow up, because that certainly wasn't how I grew up. I was a latchkey kid coming home, sitting in front of the TV. I didn't have my parents home with me. So it's been a game changer for us. So um, I think COVID yeah. is going to change that for a lot of people. A lot of yeah. people will be working from home. It might sort of reunite this sort of closeness. Kids are, some aren't even going to school anymore. They're, yeah. they're learning from home. And so I think that there is kind of a lot of benefits, unfortunately, this pandemic, yeah. but it really kind mm -hmm. of is kind of bringing the family unit closer together. And I think like, once again, society can be totally restructured. It's not the problem that we were having before at the start of the podcast. We're talking about why does it take two six figure salaries to like get by? Right. Well, now you have people that are actually working from home and working from home is not for everyone, by the way. Mm -hmm. But I think mm -hmm. it does kind of at least unifies people in that lost connection people were having before. I think it really kind of has, although it's porn us apart from sort of the outer society, it brings that nuclear family kind of back together and, and really helps you reassess your relationships and your relationship with your work. Because mm -hmm. before when people are traveling and commuting to work, some people are traveling two, three hours a day each way to get to work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Think about all that lost time. And now they have that time back. I think this might people are really kind of reevaluating their lives entirely because of totally. the pandemic. Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, Monica, we have to move on. There's so many more questions that I wanted to ask, but we have to move on. So um, we're going to ask you a couple of questions around investing for good. So the first question is, tell us one way that you feel like your real estate investments have allowed you to live a better life. Like I say, they have given me freedom in my 
my life. I always followed the Coco Chanel phrase. My life did not please me. So I created my life and I'm able to structure my entire life around my family. So I always do family first and then I do Mm -hmm. fitness and then I put my work stuff in and I plan it all like appointments. So a lot of people, I'm in a lot of appointments, ladies, like, so I'll have like this huge capital raise finance meeting and they'll be like, can you talk then? I'm like, I'm at an appointment. And my appointment is like a basketball game <laughs> or a tennis match, but to them, it's all called an appointment. If we don't schedule it, it it's never true. happens. It really it's never so happens, mm-hmm. especially yeah. for entrepreneurs. Cause I could work 24 hours a day because I absolutely Mm -hmm. love what I do. And sometimes it's easier to work than to life. So it really is that freedom that I kind of created in my life. And that is, I could never imagine doing anything else. Mm -hmm. We'll get back to our conversation with Monica in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations. And as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com invest. And now back to our chat with Monica Javik. Yeah, I love that. It's like a tip for everyone to the way that you have it structured in terms of your priorities, right? It's family first, and then fitness for you, and then filling in the holes with work. And such a a good reminder to call it an appointment, because then when it's something you have to go to, then it happens. And that's how I have it in my calendar, too. So I love that. And that leads us nicely to our next question, which is around what is one investment strategy or life hack or something that you might be able to share with the audience that will help them catapult their investing journey? So the investment strategy varies and I match people's investment strategies according to what they want to achieve. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our clients, our members, I call them, are people who are professionals. They're between 35 and 55. They were like me, like they did everything the right way and they're just not happy with their returns on investments. 
So we work with them and introduce them to see what they're trying to achieve. Do you want to help your kids pay for their university? Do you want to build up your retirement? I have a look at that. I kind of look where the gaps are and see what needs to be filled. Mm -hmm. Someone needs to save for retirement. And a lot of people's retirements really are underfunded. Buy, rent, hold real estate all the way. I have a presentation called how one property can change your entire financial portfolio. You buy a property at $375,000 at 40, just pay off your mortgage till you're 60 with a tenant in there, not even including the cash flow. Your property is going to be worth $1.25 million. That's that 5% appreciation. Imagine mm-hmm. getting two. Now you have two and a half million plus your personal mm-hmm. residence. People are going from nothing in their personal portfolios to that. Or yeah. what about the cost of education? Like we spoke about mm-hmm. one property, yeah. one property, you could refinance, you could mm-hmm. sell it. It's so easy. That's why we have the freedom in our lives because I know how to make money. Mm-hmm. If you said, Monica, make me $100,000 this week, I could do that. Mm-hmm. I could show you how to do that. And mm-hmm. I do do that. It's not like every single day is my goal is to make $100,000 because it takes time mm-hmm. and it takes energy. And then my goal will be money. But when mm-hmm. in reality, my goal will be freedom. And the freedom right. comes from the knowledge and the ability of understanding money and the confidence of knowing that you're able to make it. We know how to do this. A lot yeah. of people don't know how to do what we do. And that's okay. Because if you're out there and you're an engineer, or say you're a computer scientist, you're busy. And we Mm -hmm. understand that. But don't think you have to stop all that computer sciencing and engineering and do this full time. All you have to do is learn and have confidence to explore new ways of how this could kind of fit with your life. And it doesn't have Mm -hmm. to take the amount of time. I think a lot of people think they have to be like us, but you don't have to have your real estate business to invest in real estate. You just have to understand how it works and have the courage to ask the questions and get started. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of the the kind of model for that. So it really depends because if you came to me and we're like those 80% of Americans who aren't making enough money, we'd help you focus on a model like house flipping or Mm -hmm. wholesaling. Mm -hmm. People need to also learn how to make money. Some people just do not make enough money. And if you're out there saying, I don't have enough money to invest in real estate, then my question to you is why? Mm-hmm. Why don't you make enough money? Mm-hmm. Well, because my job doesn't pay me enough money. So why don't you go make more money? Well, I don't know how to make more money. Well, why don't you learn how to make more money? Everyone needs at least seven streams of residual income. Mm-hmm. If you're not making money while you're sleeping, you're going to work till you die. Yeah. And that's unfortunately the way most Americans and Canadians and Australians, mm-hmm. Europeans are a lot smarter than us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of know something we don't know. <laughs> so we're not even going to go there. But with us, I think it's an ongoing trend. So. I love all of that. I think that's what is so different from traditional finance, where it's the same model for everybody, (laughs) right? With real estate, it's always thinking about what are your goals? What are your short-term goals, your long-term goals? And how can you find a strategy? Because there are so many within real estate that really meets up with, you know, your approach and your goals so that you can achieve them based on whatever they are, that it's not just a one size fits all. So, And it's hard for people to see what they need without a coach or without, you know, Mm -hmm. having some and guide them and doing yeah. these assessments. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not, I have a lot of coaches and I have a board of directors who are in charge of our financial affairs and portfolio as well. Mm-hmm. Why would I, the person who is so close to it, be at the end of all my decisions? Obviously, I'm the one that pulls the trigger. But if you're the smartest person in the room, I think you're in the wrong room. And when you're mm-hmm. looking at things that are so close to you, it's so sensitive. We don't yeah. want to think about being 90 and alone. It's too close. <laughs> like you have to have those kind of the people around you with those two millimeter changes and just 
coaching and stuff. This isn't like revolutionary. It's not like all of a sudden you're going to have to pick up and go move to Siberia. Mm-hmm. It could be just like a little tiny suggestion like, mm-hmm. oh, well, have you ever considered self-directing? What's self-directing? Right. Oh, you don't have to put your retirement with your bank. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I did. No, I you could actually talk to Julie and Annie. Maybe some pretty cool stuff. Like people just yeah. don't know. They don't Mm -hmm. know what's out there and they don't know the opportunities. And it's not like we're reinventing the wheel here. It's just Mm -hmm. simply telling people things that they didn't know were available. Yep. hundred percent. That's, that's why we do what we do. And that's why we have folks like you on the podcast to share, because when you don't know, you just don't know. And so that's kind of our mission is to spread the word and help other people learn about all of this because it's changed our lives and we want to change other people's lives. So I love all of that. Okay. Last question is around investing in the world. So what is one thing that your investments are doing right now to make the world a better place? Oh, I like that question. That is a really interesting question. And I love that. So our investments around the world, I think we touched on that before, obviously, they're providing homes for people, which really is a great thing to do is our job as landlords is ending homelessness. One thing I was actually doing was with some of our buildings, because the landlord tenant laws are so tough. And the reason that they're so tough on us is because of homelessness. And there's a huge homelessness problem. And I think there's a huge homelessness problem around the world. And they don't have enough housing for all these people. So we've been done doing a lot of new developments, as well as working with our existing buildings, to work with the municipalities to solve the homelessness problem by working in conjunction with the governments to provide these homes and kind of make these nice arrangements where it's not between us and the tenants, between us and the government. So we can really kind of put a dent into squashing homelessness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Huge problem in our society and giving people, some marginalized people who have some challenges, a clean, safe place to live. Because if they're continuously in these dangerous environments or dilapidated environments or at risk of being on the street, people aren't able to change their situation. So we really kind of wanted to get in with the municipalities and really kind of work with them and see what can we do to really sort of make a difference. I really think happy tenants, happy landlords, let's really kind of just increase the camaraderie between the two. It can be done. So that's what we're really doing with investments and with wealth building. Our goal is to go around and help every single person out there, encourage them to finance this to the forefront, learn some different ways, check out the Real Property Investments website, you know, come to our events. We're creating some really great information that's affordable for people. Our membership starts at $25 a month. We've made it affordable for everyone mm-hmm. because People, the problem is free information. If you don't pay, mm-hmm. you don't pay attention. Yep. Oh, I and love so that. even $25 <laughs> a month, everyone can afford that. And mm-hmm. I would love to be more altruist and give everything mm-hmm. away for free. But then it never works if people don't listen yep. to free advice. It's a psychological shift that happens here and it holds yeah. them accountable. So we try to make everything affordable to everyday people. So they don't have that excuse like, oh, I can't afford that. You, you can afford anything. You just have to make it that priority. And we often say, if you can't afford that, then you should do it even more so. But I do believe most people can afford $25 a month. If you give someone $25, they'll find a way to spend it. It may, be toward, mm-hmm. may as well be towards their own 
wealth building. So, well, it's apparent Monica than everything that you've done, your entire story and how you framed your business and now how you're giving back through real property investments and your members, that compassion is really at the forefront of everything that you do. Compassion for your tenants, compassion for your members, for giving back, for teaching other people how to take control of their financial future. So I'm sure our listeners are going to want to learn more and follow up with you. So tell them how they can get a copy of your book and what's the best place they can go to learn more. Amazing. Thank you. So our book is on amazon.com, Real Real Estate Mistakes, Our Mistakes, Your Success. And they can visit our website at realproperty-investments.com. And I'm on Instagram as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. So if everyone can reach out, or I guess you provide the tabs, click on the tabs and, uh, and I often say, Google me. A lot of fun stuff comes up. So we do have a great YouTube as well that we put a lot of information on, especially with the COVID-19. Our first response was actually to put free daily webinars out on wealth building, really reaching out to the people to explain what's happening, having our professionals like our accountants on there to explain what these and the mortgage specialists to explain what sort of assistance programs are there what people should do, what they could take advantage of, what these things kind of mean, how to prepare for these tenants from paying. So a lot of these different sort of resources are on there, including ways to make more money and really ways to start building wealth today. Brilliant. Well, we'll have all those resources for our listeners in the show notes. Monica Jazik, mother of four, real estate investing expert and creator of Real Property Investments. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Monica. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.